Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or your prayer requests. We're standing by every weekday, Monday to Friday, taking your calls and your prayer requests, listen, uh, answering your Bible questions. We've got pastors here every day from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time or whatever time it is in this time period for you locally. So just welcome to all of you who are tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from today. We want to welcome those of you who are listening here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. And we also want to welcome those who are listening on syndicated stations uh, everywhere from the East Coast to the Appalachian region. We have people listening in Texas and all across the southern United States, as well as many people tuning in online. So welcome to all of you. The number to call with your Bible questions and your prayer requests is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. Uh, again, we want to welcome those of you who are listening on Grace FM in Colorado and into Southern Wyoming. You're here in the show live today. Today is Monday, October 25th. We also want to welcome those who are listening on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, and those who are listening on Truth FM in Tennessee, parts of North Carolina, and Kentucky, as well as those who are listening on the Freedom Radio Network all across um, the southern United States, from Amarillo, Texas, all the way to Florida, Georgia, and, and many of the southern states, as well as a few other stations. You know, we had some callers uh, from Memphis, for example, recently. So, so glad to have all of you uh, tuning in, and we would love to hear from you. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. We also want to um, say a hello to everybody who's tuning in on uh, the app, the Grace FM app, and the website. So many of you tuning in um, from areas outside of our listening range, uh, you're listening on the Grace FM app. You know, so if you don't have that, we really encourage you to go and get it. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. In addition to the fact that you can listen to the programming on Grace FM anywhere in the world, whenever you want. Um, so. Get that app, just type in Grace FM is one word, no spaces in the App Store or the Google Play Store, and put it on your tablet or on your phone, and you can listen to it. You can also listen to uh, this show and the rest of the programming on Grace FM by um, talking to your smart speaker and telling your smart speaker to play Grace FM. I've done that at my house. It works, works really well. Um, and so, yeah, you can also go to the website, gracefm.com, and tune in there and listen there. I know many people do that in their offices or in their home because, uh, you know, more and more of us don't have radios at home, but we have smart speakers, we have internet, and so there's a lot of great ways for you to listen 
in and be part of the uh, Grace FM, but more for this show, particularly the Calvary Live listening family. So welcome to all of you who are tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from. We'd love to hear from you. I get excited personally when I get callers from outside of our local broadcast range. So give us a call, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Looks like our lines are already full, which is exciting, and we'll get to our first caller right after I introduce myself to you. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. Um, I've been the pastor here for about nine years. Prior to that, I was a missionary with Calvary Chapel, church planter and missionary with Calvary Chapel in um, Hungary, in Eastern Europe. And uh, I was there for 10 years. So uh, 10 years in Hungary, now nine years here in uh, Longmont. I hold a uh, bachelor's degree in theology and a master's degree in theology from uh, London School of Theology in the United Kingdom, which is something I did when I was living in Hungary. So I would love to talk with you guys about the Bible, and I'd love to talk with you about the things going on in your lives that you need prayer for. Um, Again, I'm the pastor of a church here in Longmont, Colorado. It's called Whitefields Community Church, and we're a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in this great city, and um, we'd just love to have you join us. If you are in driving distance of the city of Longmont, or even even kind of the outskirts of Longmont, because we are right um, just east of the city center of Longmont, in between I-25 and downtown Longmont on Highway 119, which is also known as Ken Pratt Boulevard. And so we are just on the north side of Highway 119. You can actually see our building. You see, we have a giant sign. You can see our building from the highway. So if any of you Maybe right now I'm looking out my window and just seeing all the hundreds of cars driving by on Highway 119. If any of you are driving that way, um, just east of County Line Road, just look to the north and you will see our church building and you can wave at me or honk at me. I probably won't hear you or see you, but um, we'd love to have you come and visit us on a Sunday morning. You can also join our services online if you are not within driving distance. Um, So our physical address is 2950 Colorful Avenue. So once again, 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, Colorado. And uh, right now we are studying through the book of 1 Corinthians on Sunday mornings. We just finished chapter 11 yesterday. And chapter 11, as you might know, is a passage which is um, about some cultural issues, the covering of heads uh, in church services and what that communicated and, and why it was wrong that some people were doing it and other people weren't doing it. And how does that apply to us today? It's a really fascinating passage. I think it's one that's confusing for a lot of people. So we just studied that yesterday. You can find that on our podcast and on our website. So whitefieldschurch.com or just search us up on your podcast app as Whitefields Church. Just remember white and fields are two separate words when you're searching. So Whitefields Community Church. And uh, this coming Sunday, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which I'm really excited about getting into the issue of the body of Christ and the use of spiritual gifts. I I can't wait to talk about this and study it with our church, and hopefully with some of you who are listening. Join us on Sunday morning. We have three Sunday morning services, 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. So 8, 9.30, and 11. We also have a a thriving youth ministry uh, that meets in the afternoons on Sundays. We have a children's ministry, young adults ministry, so lots of ways for you to get plugged in. Men's and women's ministry. This, This past weekend, we had a women's conference here at our church, it was just excellent, and uh, the ladies just did a great job. So, um, yeah, wherever you're looking to get plugged in, we have an opportunity for you to get plugged in, grow in the Lord with us, and we'd love for you to be part of that. Once again, our website to find past sermons, uh, service times, directions, 
any other information you need, our website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can hear me on Grace FM every weekday at 9.30 a.m., 2.30 p.m., so twice a day, 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m., and also Sundays at 1 o'clock p.m. So enough about me. Let's go to our first caller, Judah in Brighton, Colorado. Hi, Judah. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. Uh, happy Monday. Um, thanks for taking my call. I had a question I wanted to ask you about the concept of surrogacy uh, in Scripture and whether or not Christians should or could do something of that nature. I have my own opinion, but I'd very much like to hear what the Bible says about it. Yeah, so I'm not sure that the Bible speaks to that directly, but it certainly uh, has principles that can be applied. So um, here's, I think, perhaps the biggest principle, and I think the biggest thing to keep into consideration. The only reason why someone would do a surrogacy is because of um, because of barrenness, right? So the un- an inability to become pregnant, whether that is uh, just that the person is infertile, or in some cases it's because there's been a hysterectomy, for example, and a woman doesn't have a womb, and so she's not able to carry a baby on her own. And so here's the first principle. One is that barrenness is is an aspect of the fall, right? So it's, a, it's, it's akin to... Um, I'm careful to say this because I think it can certainly be taken the wrong way, and I don't ever want to... And it's a very sensitive issue for a lot of people. And so I would just say it's an aspect of, or let's put it this way, it's, it's a sign of our bodies not working the way they were designed to work. And so it's an aspect of the fall. Therefore, I think that anything we can do that would help someone to be able to have a child who wants to have a child is great. And that would be a form of common grace is what we call that, right? So it's a, it's a form of God's grace that people are able to experience through things like the scientific discoveries and developments. Now, there's two kinds of surrogacy, right? There's the kind of surrogacy where essentially um, the husband would actually do kind of like what Abraham did with Hagar, which is where he would actually sleep with the surrogate in order to get her pregnant and then keep the child as his own. Now, I would say that kind of surrogacy is clearly out of bounds in the Bible. Um, what Abraham did with Hagar was essentially that, right? It could be called a surrogacy. Oh, hey, we're going to do this thing, and then the baby will count as Abraham and Sarah's baby. And that might have been culturally acceptable at that time, but God said it was not acceptable because, you know, sex is, is created for being done within the bounds of the marriage relationship. However, nowadays we have a different kind of surrogacy where, uh, the, sperm and egg can be combined in a test tube and then it can be implanted in a third person's womb and that person carries that baby into term and then gives birth to it. I have some friends here in town actually who are part of our church who went through that process. It was very expensive and yet um, they were able to have a baby when the wife, um, her issue was a hysterectomy. And so I, I think that that's a good thing. So uh, apparently you have a view on it. I'd love to hear your two cents, and then we'll see if we see eye to eye or, or on that. But I think those are the two biblical principles that I would keep in mind. The issue that barrenness is part of the fall, and therefore we to be pro-life means to 
um, see a sign of the reverse of the fall, which I think is a signpost of the kingdom that is to come. And the second issue is, um, you know, it depends on what kind of surrogacy we're talking about. So I, I completely agree with you, and I, I'm sure that we do see eye to eye. Uh, my question was more geared towards the latter of your two examples. And given that it's God's, it's God's gift to us that we have the medical and scientific advances that we have, I feel like if one is able to do that for another family that would like to have children, uh, my heart said, like, that's a huge gift to give to those kind of people. And I just wanted to make sure that uh, there wasn't anything, like, scripturally that would make that, you know, maybe find myself mistaken. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're right that it is a huge gift that somebody can do. I know, just speaking of these friends of ours here from our church who went through this process, the woman that they found to be a surrogate mother, right, so they did the whole test tube thing, implanting in the womb, etc., um, that woman was a Christian woman, and she did this. She, like, signed up for this, number one, as a ministry. Now, obviously, there's some financial benefit to it, but, I mean, at, at a huge cost to the person's body, right? And so the woman who did this said, you know, she just wanted to do this because she's physically able, and she thought, you know, what a, what a cool way to bless another family that desperately wants to have a child, but for whatever you know, reason can't. And I think that falls in the category of being what we call pro-life. And so I'm really grateful for your time and I'll, I'll let you go, but I agree with you. And, um, I'm grateful, like I said, for your time and for your response. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Like, like I said, not to beat a dead horse, but to, to take the advances in science and medicine that the Lord has given us, and to be able to provide an opportunity for a family like that to that they're trying to build, I think that's a huge blessing. And again, just wanted to make sure that there wasn't something I was missing. Sounds good. God bless you, Judah. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or your Theological questions like Judah had there about uh, can Christians be surrogate parents and um, really good stuff to talk about and applying the Bible to our lives and to our world today. So I'd love to answer any questions you have, and I'd love to pray for your prayer requests. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Once again, seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to our next caller, Caleb in Peyton, Colorado. Hi, Caleb. Welcome to the program. Hey, what's going on? Caleb, where's Peyton, Colorado? What's up? Sorry. Where Where's Peyton at? I'm not sure. I know where that's at. That's uh, right outside of Colorado Springs. East. Ah, east okay. Gotcha. I'm a Colorado native, but I don't venture down into Colorado Springs area very often. Okay, yep, a little bit easier. So my question, I, I really wanted to talk to you guys and get a like a, a biblical Christian moral perspective on this. Uh, my girlfriend's parents are going through a divorce right now, and it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, the, the husband is just 
physically abusive, verbally abusive, uh, coercing uh, his son to curse at the mom and, and things like that. And so a couple of things. One, I wanted to, I was wondering, is it, is, is it okay for me or is it any sort of my responsibility to try and intervene with the son and get him to understand how that is uh, disrespectful and of nature, things like that? And then my girlfriend is really struggling with it and wants, the only thing that she can seem to come up with is that she wants to hurt the guy. Uh, mm. And I think that there's probably better ways to go about it. I just wasn't sure how. Yeah. So, you know, to answer your question, if there's a responsibility there, I think as a, as a boyfriend, you know, you're not technically part of the family, so to say, I mean, you, they might say, Hey, you're part of the family, but I mean, there's no, you know, you're not married into the family, I guess is my point. The other, the other part of this is that I'd say that your girlfriend's obviously talking to you about this. And so there's a sense in which, you know, you have a responsibility to give her good advice. Um, and, and I think that that's really helpful. I, I think that the other part of this, as far as the brother, you know, I think that, yes, you could easily speak to him on a level of saying, hey, you know, we know each other, we're friends, you know, we have some, some degree of relationship. And my advice to you would be to ask them and point them to how Jesus would handle this situation. Now, I'll tell you one thing, that God would not want... Uh, this woman to be abused, right? So if you're talking about your girlfriend's mother, right? So God is not um, okay with anybody being abused, mistreated, dishonored in these ways. Um, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, we don't deserve anything but God's judgment. Therefore, we don't deserve anything, any dignity or anything. Well, that, okay, that's true on the sense of that we don't deserve anything from God. And yet, if you look through the scriptures, particularly in the prophets, you know, especially the minor prophets, the major prophets, those books of the Bible, God says that uh, he absolutely expects and demands that people treat each other with dignity. And he has an issue, he takes issue, like in the book of Amos, with those who stand by while the weak are abused and taken advantage of. And so, as human beings, right, we have a responsibility before God to not allow the strong to use their power to abuse the weak. So I would, I would say on that level, you know, my, my advice would be, if you see that this mother is being um, abused, if she's being mistreated, you know, I, I would say maybe because you have a relationship, there's something where you can speak into this in her life and say, hey, you know, you, you, you need to get out of this. If you're already getting divorced, or if you already are divorced, you know, you need to remove yourself from a situation where you need to draw some real boundaries because um, you, you can't, you don't need to be being mistreated. It's not okay with God and it's not okay with me is essentially what your message would be to her. Uh, for your girlfriend, you know, wanting to hurt her father, you know, again, the biblical principle here is that we don't um, respond to evil with evil, but we overcome evil with good. Now, that doesn't mean just, um, you know, ignoring the bad things that her father is doing, but it means responding in the ways that Jesus would respond, right? So we draw boundaries, and yet we show kindness and love, and yet we also call to repentance, right? So it's, it's, um, it's both at the same time in the sense of seeking to be loving and, and forgiving and calling people out who are doing the wrong things. 
Um, so does that answer any of your questions? Yeah, that, that helps a lot. It really does. I was just, so because it seems so hard to, to um, you know, look for any sort of, uh, you know, to, to, it's hard to, to want to treat people like that well. Yes, I understand. That's difficult. Yeah. Well, that, that, that pretty much that is it. Okay, well, let's pray for you because that's a that's a difficult situation. It's not not as easy as just knowing the right thing to do, but it's also having the wisdom in every given situation. So let's pray for you, Heavenly Father. We pray for Caleb and just heartbreaking, Lord, to hear about this family being divided, that there's um, hurt, pain, manipulation, perhaps even abuse taking place. But would you give Caleb a lot of wisdom with knowing his place and using the influence he does have? to be able to speak helpful and godly and Jesus-like words into this situation. Lord, would you help him to help his girlfriend, to help her brother, to help her mom? And Lord, we do pray, if there is any abuse, Lord, that you would uh, intervene in this situation, that justice would be done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you, Caleb. May God give you a lot of wisdom. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. I think we've got two open lines, which means it's a great time for you to call in with your questions about the Bible and with your prayer requests. Uh, The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Katie in Millican, Colorado. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the program. Hey, can you uh, hear me okay? I can. All right. Awesome. Um, I just kind of had a fun question about um, God resting. So in Genesis, he takes rest on the seventh day, but then doesn't it say in the Bible that God never rests day or night now? So I I was wondering if he has rested at all ever since then. Yes. Okay. That's a good question. Um, So I'm looking for that verse that you're talking about where it says that God doesn't rest. Um, So I would say, I'll put it this way. Here's what's interesting about God resting on the seventh day. Okay. Now in context, it means that he, ceased from his labors, right? So he stopped creating. So in a sense, right, we could say that even from that day, he has not been creating things ex nihilo, which is the Latin term for from nothing. So that's what's interesting about the creation is that God is creating, but he's not just like when we create things, like if I create a sculpture or a painting, I'm not creating from nothing. I'm basically just rearranging parts, um, and creating art out of them, right? I'm making order out of raw materials, perhaps, but those materials already exist. So God's God's creation in those six days was ex nihilo, which means from nothing. Now, um, so since then, God hasn't been creating things from nothing, at least not that not that I know of. Um, and it would seem in the Bible like everything He created was created at that time from nothing, and then it's been rearranging since then. Now. Then God rested on the seventh day. And here's what's really important, that that rest is essentially 
symbolic, right? Because we could put it in the in terms of God stopped creating. But it doesn't say God stopped creating. It says that God rested. And why? Why why is that important? Well, then we're given a commandment that we are also to rest. So God was exemplifying something there that we were to follow, but we're told in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 that the Sabbath rest and the rest of God was actually a signpost pointing to Jesus. And here's how, because it says there in Hebrews chapter 4, which is a lot of what the book of Hebrews is about, is showing us how the things from the Old Testament were actually pointing to, foreshadowing, and preparing us for Jesus. And, and here's how it says that in Christ— we now rest from our labors, right? The true Sabbath rest, the, the true thing which the Sabbath pointed to. The Sabbath was a shadow, but the substance which the shadow pointed to was that in Christ, we now rest from our labors of seeking to justify ourselves before God or seeking to prove ourselves before anybody. And so um, that would be what I would point you to is to understand that God resting was certainly not because he needed to, right? As you said, God doesn't ever really rest, right? His eyes are going to and fro throughout the earth all the time. So when it says that God rested, that was exemplary, right? So it was an example for, number one, for us to follow in the Sabbath rest, meaning don't work all the time. Trust God rather than working. You are not just created for work. You are created for relationship with God. And so purposefully take a day that's dedicated to that. But ultimately, what it pointed to was that there is one day coming a rest from our labors that will be found in the Messiah, in Jesus, who is to come. All right. That, yeah. Yeah, well, thank you for um, just going through that with me. I kind of just had it pop in as a fun question, you know, something that I was wondering about. So, yeah, thanks for going through that with me. It definitely applies um, to some things I've been learning lately. That's awesome. Hey, and I love those kind of questions. So anybody else out there with a, a question that popped in your mind, love to talk about it with you. So God bless you, Katie. Thanks for calling in. Yep, thank you. Have a good one. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got about two minutes time before our break, and we've got one open line. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Well, I'm going to ask the callers. We've got two callers on the line. I'm going to ask them to hold uh, because we're just right up against our our um, mid-show break. And we're going to go to a text prayer request that came in that I'd like to pray for right as we go up to our break. So someone says, I would like prayer for my family. My nephew got in a motorcycle accident this morning, and my sister-in-law's brother and sister-in-law passed away this morning. So let's pray for this family. Lord, we lift up this family to you. We ask that you would bring healing to the nephew who is in a motorcycle accident, and we pray that you bring comfort to the family. Lord, you are the God of all comfort, and so Lord, would you help us to cast ourselves upon you, to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. And we know that you care for this dear family. We pray that you would be with them, that you would wrap them in your embrace and give them comfort, hope, and peace in the midst of this terrible situation. 
But we do pray for healing. We pray for wisdom for the doctors who are helping with this motorcycle accident. And Lord, we do pray for a full recovery. And we pray that you'd comfort the family. And Lord, that these events where we see tragedies happen, Lord, that they would keep in the forefront of our minds how short and how fragile this life is. Lord, I pray for anyone out there, including these, these family members, Lord, who, are, who need to be reminded that now is the, today's the day of salvation, that now is the time to get right with you, God, because you've made the way already. Lord, may we respond to you in faith today so that our future may be secure in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We'll be right back in two minutes' time and uh, with your questions and your prayer requests. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is the show where you can call in with your prayer requests. You can call in with your questions about the Bible and how the Bible applies to different situations in life. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to answer those questions and pray for those prayer requests. Right now we have full lines, so I'm not going to give you the number to call in. Actually, I will give you the number, and here's what you can do. Save this in your phone. Write it down. I actually have the text line saved in my phone so that when I'm listening to the show out and about when I'm not hosting, I can easily just text in. Um, So I would encourage you guys, save these numbers in your phone so that you're ready in the future. So 303-690-3000, that's the call-in line. And the text line is 720-336-0800. Let's go to our next caller, Loveland, or Jason in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. What's uh, up? Hey, it's nice to be on the radio with you. Um, I have a quick question about a word uh, used in the Bible, um, the word sorcery. And um, I've looked at a, you know, using the uh, Blue Letter uh, app, mm-hmm. I've seen that, that the word is uh, pharmacia, and I've heard a few people say that that kind of relates to the word pharmacy, which could, like, indicate that they're talking about drugs or, like, medication even. What do you think about that? Um, yes, I do think that that is what it means. But here's what here's what you need to understand. So in the ancient times, right, they're talking about pharmacia in the sense of sorcery because oftentimes psychedelic drugs would would be used with, um, you know, acts of sorcery or trying to conjure up the dead or communicate with the dead or have some kind of uh, out-of-body experience, these sorts of things. And this is actually still the case. Um, this, I mean, if you think about it, um, this is still commonly done. You think about um, there's Native American rituals that use peyote, a psychedelic drug. Uh, just today, I was in Boulder and I was looking at, um, you know, driving by Naropa University, which is the world's largest Buddhist university right here in Boulder. And, um, you know, I looked at, I, I ended up going on their website because I was curious, like, what, what do people study here? And they have a, you can get a bachelor's degree in the use of psychedelic drugs for spiritual experiences. Like that's an actual degree that you can get here in the state of Colorado. So that's exactly what it's talking about, right? Sorcery, magical arts, which were often tied to the use of drugs. Now, let me just say that is not the same as using um, 
drugs in the sense of using medicines which are designed to help a person um, and to bring healing or comfort in a situation, especially when they're being administered by a doctor, right? So it really gets to a matter of why you're doing this, right? So there's, it's certainly like you can use penicillin to get rid of an infection without doing what the Bible condemns under the, under the word pharmakia, right? So you can even take morphine for those who are in uh, extreme pain. It can be administered by a doctor. That's not the same as what we're talking about when we talk about pharmakia in the Bible, for example, in the book of Galatians, um, where it's used there and it's condemned under the, under the heading of sorcery or use of um, psychedelic drugs for the purpose of having a spiritual experience. Well, that, that makes sense. Um, and the reason I, I'm curious about the question is because I kind of struggled with drug addiction and, uh, you know, it's still been a battle of mine mm -hmm. being a believer. But um, while I was using and, you know, even up up until recently, I've, I've experienced some, some uh, you know, supernatural stuff going on and it just appears to be demonic. And, you know, I was just kind of making that that connection there. You know what? I uh, I was just teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 10 last week, and there in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, you know, he's talking about paganism and idol worship, but he says that these things are demonic. So on the one hand, he says idols don't actually exist, right? They're not actually gods. Like, there is no god Zeus. Zeus doesn't exist. But he says the worship of these things is demonically connected. And and I would I would agree, like, hey, man, you know, when it comes to drug use— in some cases, you, you might be opening yourself up through the use of those drugs to perhaps even some spiritual experiences which are not of the Lord, which means that they would be demonic in origin, demonic in nature. And so I, I would say, yeah, that's a, that's a concern. But here's the other good news. If you've turned to the Lord, he who is in you is stronger than he who is in the world. Right? You no longer need to fear like ongoing uh, demonic uh, you know, overpowering of you now that you are in the Lord. And so I would just encourage you to be trusting in the Lord, to be fighting that spiritual battle, like it's describing in Ephesians chapter 6, right? Taking up the full armor of God and waging war with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and praying in the Spirit. That's how we wage war. And so uh, let me pray for you. And um, and I, I would encourage you, you know, to, to make a, understand that distinction between you know, medical science and the medical application of, of different drugs. And, you know, then there's the spiritual application and the recreational application, which were certainly, they, they, they are certainly off limits according to the Bible. And the reason is because God loves us and doesn't want us to get involved in stuff that's going to be damaging to us. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, okay. we, we pray for our brother Jason. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen him. Thank you, Lord, that he is no longer in the bonds of addiction. We give you the praise and the glory for that. Lord, we also pray that you would set right things in his mind, in his heart, in his spirit, which were affected by that time period when he was addicted. And Lord, we pray that you give him a lot of strength to continue walking strong with you. Lord, we, we hold on to that promise of yours from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, that says that in every trial and temptation we face, you will provide a way of escape, a way out of that temptation, a way for us to not succumb to sin when we are tempted, if we are willing to take that, 
that way of escape you're providing for us. So I pray for my brother Jason, Lord, that you would help him to take that way of escape when you provide it and when he's tempted. And Lord, we do pray for those who are in the throes of what the Bible talks about when it talks about pharmakia and the use of drugs being tied to uh, spiritual things. Lord, we pray for uh, liberation in Christ Jesus for those people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, God Pastor. Bless you, I appreciate it. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. Let's go to our next caller, Carrie Ann in Longmont, Colorado. Hi, Carrie. Welcome to the program. Hi. What can we do for you? I am calling today because I wanted to know, Pastor, I love the Lord. I give myself to Him every day. Well, I don't, what my question is, is, is the Lord, is Jesus going to show me less favor when I go to heaven because I don't know his Bible as in and out as a pastor would? Like, I know, you know, little bits here and there. It's a lot to intake, obviously. I don't know it intimately. I don't know all the lineages and the cousins and the brothers and the sisters. Is that, is that, will he show me less favor because of that? Yeah, the answer is no. God will not show you less favor because of that. And I'll tell you why. It's because our righteousness, right, which means our right standing before God. So our right standing before God is not based on what we know. It is based on what Jesus did for us. And uh, and so I would encourage you, you know, what God wants from you is relationship with him. Now, I will tell you that it's not like you have to choose one or the other. It's not like I can choose to be in a relationship with God and have an intimate relationship with God, or I can choose to know the Bible really well. In fact, I would say the two go hand in hand. And to be a disciple of Jesus, this is a, it's a, long, it's a lifelong journey. And so no one expects you to, you know, and, and also the goal of it is not to like just fill your head with knowledge about the Bible. The goal of it is the, the purpose of reading the Bible is to grow in relationship with God, to know who God is, to know what he desires, what he likes, what he wants for me in my life. Um, and so I want to read the Bible for that reason, not just so I can know stuff and win Bible trivia and things like that. Um, so I would encourage you, don't, don't give up on uh, reading the Bible, but also make sure you get your reason for wanting to know the Bible in the right right place, which, which I... I trust that it is with you, Carrie Ann. I, I don't doubt that at all. I would just say, hey, God, God's favor on your life is based on Jesus and what he did for you, not on what you know or not on what you do or don't do or anything really connected to you. It's, it's actually um, what the, Paul refers to it in Philippians. He calls it a righteousness that is not my own but has been given to me in Jesus. Uh, the okay. some Bible scholars have referred to it as it's a foreign righteousness. It comes from, it's not my own. It comes from outside of me and God puts it on me. It's Jesus's righteousness. His right standing before the father is given to me as a gift, which means that the, the child who, you know, hasn't got their stuff about God figured out just yet. And the person who's, you know, been studying for their whole life and they're 80 years old and knows, knows all the stuff, they both are recipients of the same level of favor 
before God because they're both right with God because of Jesus, not because of themselves. Okay, that answers a lot. I was worried that if I passed and I got up to heaven, I didn't want God or Jesus to be disappointed in me because I didn't know them as intimately as I could have. And no, so you, if you I don't do need to worry pass, about that. That he's still going to love me for me being the good person that I am and you know what I mean? Like in other ways. Well, I'll just say one last thing about that last thing you said. And I, and I hope it doesn't come across nitpicky because it's not meant to be. But he won't love you because of the good person that you are. He will love you because he created you. He intrinsically, inherently loves you. And your right standing with him is based in Jesus, not in you having a sense of goodness that is your own. You know what I mean? And, and so I would just tell you this. God's not going to be disappointed with you. In fact, here's the good news of the gospel, that if you are in Jesus, which is what the, the way the Bible puts it when we trust in Jesus, you are in Jesus, that when God looks at you, he sees you in the same way he sees Jesus, which means, you know what God said about Jesus twice in the gospels? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Carrie Ann, if you are trusting in Jesus, I believe that when the father, God the father looks at you, he says, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Well, how lucky am I? <laughs> very much. Thank yeah, you. very. Okay. God bless you, Carrie Ann. Hey, I'm a fellow Longmonter. God has so. blessed me. Bless you too, brother. Have a wonderful night. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got about 15 minutes left in the show, and it looks like we've got um, two open lines. So give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. 0897. So let's go to the next caller, Tim in Inglewood, Colorado. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. How are you? Doing great. Um, so I just had a question about um, like primary and secondary issues. So I mm-hmm. have a, um, a boss that goes to a church that believes in like LGBT, like marriage um, and like homosexuality and stuff. And so I'm just trying to figure out like how best to minister to them of like explaining that it is like a still it's a primary issue about mm-hmm. homosexuality and like we shouldn't be condoning it and we shouldn't be like having like ceremonies and stuff because of it mm. um, so. you know what there's there's a ton on this and I've actually been um, actually attended a conference online last week um, about faith sexuality and gender that was put on by Preston Sprinkle uh, Preston Sprinkle is a theologian, very conservative and biblical and great, uh, super good theologian. And he has a nonprofit foundation that he started called the Center for Faith and Sexuality. I, I think that's what it's called. I'm going to look it up. Um, it might be Faith, Sexuality, and Gender, but something like that. If you just look up his name, too, it'll come up. It's one of many things that he does. But they put on a conference last week. It was in Boise at the Calvary Chapel there. Um, but I attended it online. So did our other pastor here at our church. And, um, you know, it's just such helpful stuff about how to engage the conversation. So I would encourage everybody, go on their website, check it out. They even have 
a 15-page document that talks about the different arguments for, uh, like, arguments in favor of affirming uh, LGBTQ things, like, basically, you know, which would go against a historically Christian ethic of marriage and sexuality. And they have answers to that, like, basically, like, a biblical response to many of these arguments that are given in favor for the things like you're talking about your boss um, is, is goes to a church that affirms these things. So I, I would encourage you, that's a really good resource. Um, Preston Sprinkle, and again, uh, I'll have to look up the exact name of this organization, but oh, here it is, the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. And um, they do a lot of really good stuff. And I will tell you, here's another really good resource is that Preston Sprinkle has a podcast and just a couple of weeks ago. So this podcast is on, you know, all the podcast apps, but it's also on YouTube. So if you follow him on YouTube, he just did a two-part series about three weeks ago on a historical Christian ethic of sexuality and gender. And that's really important because he kind of lays out, you know, what are the issues? Why do we frame it that way? One of the things I like that he says is that people, he used to use the term non-affirming, right, to describe himself. But he said that's such a such a negative way to say it. And he says, you know, he knows many people who are LGBTQ or whatever. And he says, um, I affirm their humanity, right? Like, I don't want to have that be the first thing that I say to them. Oh, I'm non-affirming. So he says that he no longer says that. Instead, the way he frames it is that he takes a historically Christian view of um, of sexuality and gender. And what that means is that, look, if you look for 2,000 years of Christian history, every Christian denomination agreed that the, the six passages in the Bible, and that's interesting, right? There are six. And so some people say, well, there are only six. Well, I would take it the other way. I'd say, well, there are six, right? So we can compare them with each other and see what does the Bible teach about these issues. And if you look at those six passages in the Bible, they're uh, exceedingly clear about what the Bible says. This is what marriage and sexuality and gender are designed by God to be. And here's the other part of this, that, that we also say that anything outside of those is considered sin, whether you are doing it um, with someone of the opposite sex or gender, or whether you're doing it with someone of the same sex or gender, right? So um, this isn't just picking on people who are attracted to the same sex. The other thing he says is he, he says, you know, one of the big arguments out there is that um, this, the term homosexual was only added to the Bible in the uh, translation. I think it was the RSV translation that came out in 1946, and that prior to that, uh, it wasn't included in the Bible. And this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And that's actually true. But actually, here's what's even more interesting. If you look into the word that's translated uh, homosexual, it's actually in Greek, it's the word ar arsenokoitis. Arsenokoitis, that's what it is, which means a man who sleeps with or has sexual relations with another man. And so it's it's quite specific, right? So he would say there's a difference between being attracted to someone of the same same gender or same sex and acting upon that. And, and those, those are two very different things biblically, right? So it's one thing to be tempted to 
do something. It's another thing to act upon that temptation and affirm that it's good. And so, um, you know, I would say Preston Sprinkle has a ton of great material on this that's answering a lot of the questions that you're asking. But um, so I would say that that'd be a huge resource for you to look into. But to answer your question uh, more directly, you know, I would just, I would bring that person, I would kind of challenge him on what this issue gets to is one of, of, you know, is the Bible really true and do we believe it? Because when you start saying that, you know, basically you're saying, oh, well, it just so happens that our popular culture says one thing now, and now we as Christians are scrambling, some, I mean, some Christians, right, are scrambling to say, oh, so what we have taught and believed for 2,000 years must be wrong because it doesn't align with the popular culture in the area where we live now, which tells us that we, we must affirm these things. And I would say that yeah. this, is, this is inherent to Christianity is that, okay, hey, look, we believe things and we don't believe them because they're popular, right? We believe them because this is what it says in the Bible, which gives us our rule of faith, right? It's our ruler that we use for what we believe. And we don't go just changing that because popular culture has changed their views on things. Um, t Tim, I'll give you a few other resources to look at. Uh, one of the best is that Preston Sprinkle, and I know I'm, I'm using his name a lot, but it's only because he's the guy who, in my opinion, is engaging with this conversation biblically, I would say also compassionately, and he's doing it thoroughly as well. He also wrote a book. I love the title of his book. It's called People to be Loved, and it's his book about uh, what the Bible says about LGBTQ issues, and I love the title. I mean, that's that's hitting the nail on the head. He says, when we talk about this issue, we need to understand we're not just talking about a issue that is political. We're not talking about an issue that is, you know, just a theoretical thing. We're talking about people whom God loves and people who we want to love. And yet one of the aspects of how we love people is by speaking the truth in love. So yeah, it's a big yeah. issue. It's not going yeah. away. Yeah, so funny. may God give you a lot of wisdom with how to engage in that conversation. Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for calling in. God bless you. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air, answering your questions about the Bible and how the Bible relates to life, as well as your prayer requests. We've got a few minutes left in the show. The number to call is 303 690-3000, that's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Vivian in Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Vivian. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um, I was I was calling, I overheard um, a caller talk, um, you talked about whether the story Jesus told um, of Abraham's bosom and Lazarus and the rich man, whether it was a parable or not. But um, isn't it, can't we then say that heaven is different from where they were in paradise? And and that was not, the, the story was not saying about whether they were in heaven because there was a gulf separating them. Was that not describing paradise and not heaven? 
Yeah, actually, I don't know uh, how much you heard of the conversation. So, you know, just a heads up for everybody out there listening that uh, Vivian, it sounds like you're, you're tuning in in, the, in Atlanta, Georgia. And so you guys are hearing the show on a one week delay. So yes. um, I'm, we're, talking to, we're talking to each other today on October 25th, Monday. Um, but that show aired live a week ago here in Colorado. So just in case anybody's wondering, like, what's Vivian talking about? That's what she's talking about. It's a discussion we had on our show that aired last week live. And so, um, Vivian, to answer your question, I do believe that the paradise it's talking about there is something different than heaven as it will be ultimately, right? In In the sense of the new heavens and the new earth. What's being talked about in Luke 16 is what's called Abraham's bosom, which is part of Sheol. So Sheol is the broad term for the dwelling place of the deceased. Now that includes, so Jesus makes it clear there in Luke 16, that Sheol was divided into two places. Abraham's bosom was a place of paradise and comfort as people awaited the redemption which was to come. And then uh, the other side that was separated by a gulf but was still part part of Sheol was Hades or hell, Hades just being the Greek word for hell. And what we're told is that when Jesus came and redeemed people, right, when his redemptive work on the cross was completed during the three days that he was in the grave, Jesus descended into Sheol, right? This is actually in the Nicene Creed, that Jesus descended into the depths is how it's put in the Nicene Creed. And he led those who were captives, it says in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, it says that Jesus led them up out of captivity. So essentially, he, he went down to Abraham's bosom and said, hey guys, you know, the redemption you were waiting for is complete. And he led those souls up to the presence of God in heaven. And yet there is coming, we're told in Revelation, a new heavens and a new earth, um, which will be the fulfillment of of that. That will be the final end of all things, right? The new heaven and the new earth. And Hades will also have a future fulfillment. It says in Revelation that Hades and hell will be emptied into the lake of fire. So you could say that these were both like waiting rooms as we awaited different things. Right. Uh, and Hades and hell still is existing as that same waiting room, but Abraham's bosom has been liberated or emptied, and those souls have gone to be in the express presence of God. And one day after the return of Jesus, the second coming, those souls will be um, embodied in the new heavens and the new earth, in the resurrection bodies. That's what I thought. Okay. So yeah, you just confirmed what I thought. I I always thought that that was not a parable. I always thought that, that, was a, that Jesus was giving us a glimpse of what and maybe a story that possibly actually did happen. Mm. I, I think that's totally possible. We, we had that discussion with another caller uh, last week. And so personally, I take it as he's, he's telling a story, not a parable. Um, but it can kind of go either way. Right. Okay. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for tuning yeah. in. And thanks bye for bye. calling. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're coming up to the end of the program. We've got two minutes left, so we'll go over to our text line. I have a couple texts that came in. One person asked, how do I answer 
my 11-year-old grandson's question about where God came from. And the answer to that is, um, though it may sound hard to explain, we actually get this call sometimes on the show. It's not uncommon. If you want to know, where did God come from? Well, that, this, is the, this is the profound thing about God, is that he is the uncreated creator, right? So he has no beginning. There's never been a time when he did not exist. And so he's the uncreated creator. And so, so that's the answer to that question. I, it, someone might say, well, how is that possible? Well, it's hard for us to think about that because we, we have no context for it. We have no, nothing to compare it to. But that's the essence of who God is, is that he is utterly different. There's nothing that we can compare him to. So I hope that you have that uh, discussion. And hey, praise the Lord that you are having spiritual discussions about God with your grandson. That is cool. Keep doing that. Hey, uh, we're coming up just on the last minute of the show. I want to tell you guys about a few things going on. Um, for those of you who like podcasts, I have a podcast. I just started a couple months ago. But this past week, I had Gino Geraci on my podcast. You might know him. He's a radio personality, and he was a pastor of Calvary South Denver for many years. Uh, so go check that out. The podcast is called Theology for the People. And so just put that into, you can even just Google it, Theology for the People podcast. It'll come up. So I had Gino on last week. This week I'm going to have uh, David Guzik, who's a well-known Bible commentator and pastor. He'll be on talking about Christian liberty and what that means. Uh, so we'd love for you to check that out. And you can check out our church's website. We'd love to have you join us this Sunday or listen to some past messages, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. You've been listening to Calvary Live. We'll be back with you every day this week, every weekday. God bless you. Have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.